0: When I started researching, I also contacted my relatives in Italy and found out like they were also celiac, a few of them, and they had great brands. Italy is further ahead. Europe in general is leaps and bounds ahead in producing fine quality gluten-free products. Um, We are a little bit behind in North America because, especially Canada, because there hasn't been the demand for
1: it. Welcome to the Foodways video series and podcast. We're your hosts, Samantha Arpas and Delania Segretti. The goal of this show is to bring awareness of Italian culture through stories of Italian immigration and its effects on Italian-Canadian foodways. To that end, we sit down with members of the Italian-Canadian community to uncover their experiences of cultural tradition via food from abroad and what they have learned along the way. Every episode is packed with stories that prove the motivation and determination that these incredible guests hold in an effort to preserve pass down their cultural heritage
2: this series is brought to you by the italian canadian food waste project which focuses on the history of italian diaspora in ontario and the change in italian canadian culinary traditions in the greater toronto area it is a cultural heritage preservation project initiated by professor Flabalsimo from the university of toronto mississauga that will create a digital archive of italian canadian culinary artifacts illustrating the evolution of Italian Canadian food pathways in the GTA since the early 1900s. As part of the project, foodways representatives are reaching out to important Italian Canadian eateries in the GTA. And through interviews with the proprietor and collection of old and current menus are preparing a research report of the local businesses and its culinary offerings past and present. Research findings will be added to a digital archive and made available to the public as an educational and cultural resource.
1: While the project has been developing for over a year, due to the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, there is an increased urgency for Italian-Canadian cultural heritage preservation, as some landmark restaurants and local businesses that shape the GTA now face an unexpected and immediate risk of closure. In order to ensure that the imprint of local Italian-Canadian businesses on their communities does not fade amidst the pandemic, The Foodways Project is inviting proprietors to review their own business records and consider submitting culinary artifacts for digitization into the archive. Such artifacts may include old menus, promotional leaflets, recipe cards, newspaper clippings, and more. Anything that you believe best reflects the history and culinary traditions of your business. Today, we are sitting down with Lori Delamonte, who is a social media influencer, sharing her story of growing up Italian while living with celiac disease. Lori has gone viral for her gluten-free Italian recipes and life hacks on both Instagram and TikTok. More importantly, she is working to revolutionize and normalize the stigma of being Italian and living with celiac disease, breaking barriers and educating others to make life better for those who want to live the traditions of their culture in a non-compromised way. Without further ado, we present to you Lori Delamonte on dietary restrictions and Italian culture. Great. It's so great to be speaking with you again, uh, Delaney. And I first met you at the Restaurant Canada Show in Toronto a few weeks ago, and all of us agreed immediately that we had to interview you to hear your story of your journey and to get your insights on the industry and how it coincides with culture. Um, so first, we want to you know hear a little bit about you. Um, who are you? What do you do? What is your journey? And you know, like, what's up in your life? <laughs>
0: Well, I can sum it all up. But first, I want to say thank you. Thank you for doing this, because um, I think it's very important that more and more information gets out for all people with celiac and the families around them. And that being said, um, my journey is that my dad is celiac and more than likely my mother, my grandmother was too. But In those days, they didn't test it. And I'm Italian background coming from Italy, near the area, and I will specifically say this why, near the area of Monte Cassino, Italy, which was the longest battle during World War II, there is a higher amount of celiac cases in that area. And it's probably because those uh, residents had to rely on just carbs, right? Or whatever was available to them also because the lands at that time were sprayed with DDT to uh, combat any deaths that occurred and, um, and all of that that's you know, not used in our society today, I think did cause some different changes in, um, in our diets, let's say. So my dad was diagnosed at the age of 81. And all these years he suffered and was misdiagnosed. And that is a very common trait in the celiac community. So when someone suspects that somebody has celiac or any issues of IBD or any, um, any autoimmune diseases, they need to be retested. And that being said, I'm waiting for my results right now because I just went and got retested as well. When I was tested, it came back as negative, but all the signs are there. Um, The signs that, you know, wheat doesn't, um, uh, I don't digest wheat at all, right? So all the signs were there. Because I noticed that when I eat gluten free, I feel good. When I am not eating gluten free, it takes a toll so I can get away with a sandwich here or there. uh, And then it it catches up to me. Uh, The reason that a lot of people when they're tested For gluten free uh, sorry for celiac disease come back as negative and my kids included that are all three celiacs, the reason they come back as. um, uh, As negative is because you need to be eating gluten to be able to see the results of the test. But most people, by the time they're taking the test, have already realized, you know what? Gluten doesn't sit well with me. So my kids are basically on a gluten-free diet for the last 10 years. So when you go and get tested, it's gonna show up as negative. It's not gonna show up as positive. The most effective way, which is what happened with my father and with my kids, is you need to have, um, uh, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, a colonoscopy, or the other one. What's it called? Endoscopy?
1: Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Sounds okay. about right. <laughs> so
0: you have to get tests internally. Okay. It does not come from a blood test. Um, now, some people find out very easily. Um, so, the journey that I was on, getting back to it, is that I'm a teacher by trade. And I stopped teaching when COVID happened because I had parents in my 80s and I had my daughter that was pregnant. And I just thought, I can't do this. So I retired earlier and I started um, on this, you know, thing called Instagram that I didn't know that much about. And I started talking about the different recipes, taking the Italian recipes and making them gluten free things that I've been doing for the last 10 years anyways. But I realized that so many people were asking me questions that they didn't know about this. Um, I was fortunate enough to be picked up as a brand ambassador for two companies that do provide a lot of uh, gluten free products in Toronto, Ontario. And, um, and so the rest is really history. Um, So yes, so now with my three children and myself, and even my husband, who is not celiac, we all eat gluten free, and we're just fine with it. So
1: I love that you've gotten your husband on board that's that's incredible that you know you've got him away from gluten and you you've turned him gluten-free you know some people are very much like opposed to the idea and the fact that you've done that is already a milestone right so that's amazing your journey is incredible it's I can imagine it wasn't easy um you know yeah yeah yeah. It, it, it never is right and and you've turned it around and you've made it such a great opportunity for yourself Um, can you tell us a bit about like your journey with the Italian community and being accepted, you know, clearly Italian food is very heavy with gluten and, you know, to move away from the traditional idea of, you know, the, the pasta and stuff and moving gluten-free, gluten-free, how was that for you, you know, being accepted into your Italian identity as celiac?
0: Well, that is a very difficult thing to do. I noticed it when my daughter was diagnosed at 19, um, you know, no one understood it, not the family, not the, uh, I'm going back 10 years, and I feel bad for all those people that were diagnosed years prior to that. There really wasn't that much in the market. I mean, you'd go to the local grocery stores, and they had like rice based pasta that if you cooked it too long, you'd end up with like some polenta looking thing. And it wasn't pasta at all. Um, When I started researching, I also contacted my relatives in Italy and found out, Like they were also celiac, a few of them, and they had great brands. Italy is further ahead. Europe in general is leaps and bounds ahead in producing fine quality gluten-free products. Um, We are a little bit behind in North America because, especially Canada, because there hasn't been the demand for it or that people do not realize they're gluten-free. Right now, one in every 130 Canadians is celiac. And so many more have not been diagnosed. So, this is the problem. The um, until they're fine, like until there's an actual need for it, uh, there isn't that many gluten free products. Well, when I started um, looking into it, I was so happy to find out. Um, I met up with Mimi Foods, which is a um, um, husband and wife here in, um, uh, in Toronto that have started all different products of pizza based. So, Great. Now you got pizza and you can't have it. And being that they're acquaintances of mine, and, and I should say, I should say friends, uh, they've become good friends now. But at the time they were acquaintances, I told them there was such a need for gluten free, and they heard me. And they started bringing in products that I really liked, and some of them being the pastas. Like there's so many, there's La Veneziana, Rumo, La Molisana. There's so many good products out there but you'd only find them at those little specialty stores. So now they're bringing it in. And then I started speaking to um, people with the Western group as well. So I have the, uh, some products at Loblaws, No Frills even started carrying some as well. Um, then you have grocery stores like Cataldi and Cousins and, and so many others that are carrying good quality gluten-free. So it's starting to increase but really, if we could just have good rice, good pasta, and a great flour, then we're okay with the Italian um, uh, diet, let's say. So mm-hmm. Mimi Foods has started one of the best gluten-free pizza doughs. And they have other types that they're making as well. Uh, you know, the rice, the cauliflower crust and the beetroot crust. And I'm sure you've seen these on the in the market, but they have a good quality flour that they use gluten free flour. So they're able to make good uh, gluten free dough. Um, That was a highlight. That was a game changer. That's when so many other recipes started spurring up. Um, When I travel, I also ask the same questions. And when I, uh, we go down to Florida often, and I found restaurants and I educated them on also different things. And now they're doing it, right? So I know it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it's got to be a pretty big village to change the whole uh, Italian uh, way of cooking, but it can be done. Good breadcrumbs, uh, gluten free breadcrumbs, gluten free dough, and gluten free pasta. And really the rest is all natural food, right? So we're okay with that.
1: Absolutely. So you had mentioned that Italy is way ahead of this whole gluten-free you know, crisis thing. They have a lot more product out there. Why do you think that is? Why do you think Canada is behind on, on getting those products here? You know, Clearly we have a lot of imports from Italy. Where, you know, we're importing sauces, pastas. Why are we not importing these gluten-free products? Why do you think Canada is so far behind? Do you think there's any like specific indicator?
0: The only indicator is supply and demand we mm-hmm. don't have the large demand that the united states has and we mm-hmm. don't have the demand that europeans have and don't forget europeans have been hit with this one of the largest amounts of celiac and i'm sorry i don't have the map there's an actual map that shows where the hot spots are and if you look at it it's literally the mediterranean disease so mm-hmm. it's in northern it's also in ireland Again, the shortage, the potato famine, like that was whenever people had to resort to, uh, to starches, you'll see an increase. Then we start seeing the increase in the United States. Well, those were the early Italians that immigrated. And now you start seeing it in um, Quebec and Montreal, Toronto, right? Because and all the way down in Ontario. And funny or not, well, it's not funny, but anyways, Australia. Australia are a lot of Italians immigrated. You'll see it in Argentina where the Italians immigrated. And it was when I saw this map and you' you're like you're just floored with it, um, And this was 10 years ago. Now it's everywhere. because as we move and as generations and like look at myself and my brother, there's only two in our family, two siblings. Um, we just have that intolerance, but yet our kids have it. So did it skip a generation? Am I just carrying the gene? We don't know. There's not enough information out there. So when you say Italy has so much more, well, they have people that are, um, uh, there's a high amount of celiacs in Italy. Second of all, think about what their, their staple uh, meal is, right? So their staple is pasta and the best pastas are coming from there. So when COVID hurt, hit, do you know what there was a shortage of? Gluten free flour and gluten free pasta. And we were all waiting until they were the, the containers were emptied in Montreal so that we could get them. And it didn't matter where you went. We were like literally hoarding, um, you know, whoever could get it was like, you know, telling each other, like, oh my goodness, so and so has it, so and so. And you'd run um, because it was all coming from Italy. So, I mean, there are other ways of doing it. You can do one to one. There's different flours out there, but there's one flower. I, all these names, I don't get any money from I don't get sponsored, I just mm-hmm. share the information. There's a one flower called Caputo. Mm-hmm. And it's a game changer. It literally was the only way that my parents could start making pasta again, making bread again, um, in the Italian fashion, and it comes from Italy. So literally, when it comes in, I bought a box, like <laughs> not you know individual bags i buy a box i put it in my uh, cool room downstairs and my parents do the same because it's limited and it's sad to say but it's it's life right now
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad that a product like that exists, you know, like you, you want to participate in something that's ingrained in your culture and pasta making is one of those activities, right? It's what you grow up with. It's what you see your parents do, your parents, parents, it's handed at, handed down through generations. It's like, you know, the technique of pasta making. So to be able to do that in a way that's gluten-free that you can like still consume being celiac is, is like a crazy innovation. You know, it's nice that you're able to connect with your culture that way. Um, you'd mentioned with the pandemic, um, you know, this high demand for gluten-free products from Italy. And so it's funny because Delanyi and I were doing research um, throughout the pandemic on, you know, why why places were shutting down. And we noticed that a lot of that was due to dietary trends. Um, social media, specifically TikTok, you know, everyone remembers when the pand- pandemic happened and the shutdown there was the sourdough trend, people were buying flour, it was going like crazy. And then diet culture took off and we saw keto being one of the biggest diet trends to blow up. And, you know, with that came different types of diets, people were being very health conscious. In this time, did you see more gluten-free brands pop up? Like, was this the opportunity for people to capitalize on gluten-free products and launch into, you know, into the market?
0: 100%, Mm -hmm. I think. And I learned this also at the restaurant show, and I'm sure you've realized this, the specialty market finally had a chance to bloom. And it doesn't matter uh, if it was gluten-free, keto, uh, nut-free, um, vegan, whatever it was, everybody, that cottage industry was allowed to bloom. And I say Thank you, because um, everyone grew, everyone was asking questions, like questions that were never asked before, like, you know, does this contain this? Did it come from that? Um, I learned more about Nutella, I learned more about peanut butter than I ever did, because it now became a a real concern. What oils are they using? How are they packaged? Um, The time that it takes to ship things? Is it really even good for us? You know, so all these little questions, I think, as awful as the pandemic was, there are some benefits, we did learn more. And we also became more health conscious. And I never made dough until I mean, I never made bread until the pandemic, right? Because up to then, you could just go to the store, buy it, and it was no problem. And all of a sudden, it was enjoyable to make it so and yes, and I was one of those sourdough people too.
1: (laughs) As you should be, it was a fun activity, you know, (laughs) when you have the time, why not? That's right. Yeah.
2: Okay. So I think we're going to kind of change lenses here. Um, So my question is, how do you use historic, authentic Italian recipes and ingredients while staying true to your dietary needs? Um, And then you can take this, you know, does your culinary choices identify as being traditional or more so Italian Canadian?
0: Mine is always traditional because my parents immigrated here in 64 and I was born in 64. So you can imagine there really wasn't, you know, I was the kid that didn't touch a McDonald's burger until I was in grade six, because my parents didn't have, um, there was no desire to go to restaurants. in that part, you know, that time of my life. And also, they were new immigrants, they were working hard, they learned they I, I learned from what they provided. And it was everything that was being made From their traditions in the 50s and 60s that they brought here. Um, So the Nouveau Italian, I never learned, you know, I only started experiencing it when I started going to restaurants and and trying different things. Now, so what I did for my dad, and this is when this whole, you know, this Celiac Nonna IG site started is I was trying to get the traditional recipes like even the pizzelli fritti that were just you know done at easter or the zucchini ones the zucchini flowers well how was my mother going to make that unless she knew how to use the flowers and everything so that's when i started and i i took the traditional italian meals and i started making them gluten free um which um was always, listen, I, I ruined a lot of recipes because uh, the flour is not the same, the consistency. Um, I mean, you know, I grew up making cheesecakes for everybody. I know that's an Italian, That's a, a, a Canadian thing, let's say, or Americanized thing. Um, I made all the cheesecakes. Now, all of a sudden, they're not working out because I'm now using a different, uh, you know, the the graham crumbs and the everything is gluten free. Um, you know, you work it out. And that's when I started um, putting these recipes and my recipes are true to what I'm doing. Um, I've been told I should be doing it as a blog and maybe that's my next step uh, because I don't want to lose these because I learned that, you know, you can't just put two cups of flour like you did with your regular flour, even though it says one to one, it's not. And so you have to sort of, you know, or it might need cocoa or cinnamon to give it a bit of flavor. Um, I was lucky enough, I have relatives in France. So I have them in Lyon and in Paris. And I learned from my aunts there too. Uh, So my aunt taught me how to make crepes. Crepes are easy, right? So now you use crepes to do your lasagnas or to do your cannelloni. You don't have to use pasta, right? So it was just a way of transferring because crepes are easier to do. With gluten free flour, than it is to make um, pasta, let's say, you know, but you know, different things. Um, I have, getting back to your question, I have tried my best to keep as authentic as possible. And I've also reached out to different companies. So in Italy, there's different types of rices, which we all know. I love arborio rice. I love, um, like, there's different types, anyways. I'm not going to list them all, but um, I went back to the true ones, not to, the Italian name on a, an Americanized type of rice. I, so the imported Italian rices I did go back to no problem, because I need to say this, but not all rice is gluten free. And that is, was the biggest problem that I had, because I thought that Can't you just use the same rice? It's rice. No, it's not because it's also processed in the same places where um, wheat, like different things are, you know, uh, there's cross-contamination. You know what? I don't know what it is, but I find I have to go to the authentic Italian brands to make sure, or there's some Californian companies that are making gluten-free rice.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Who would have thought, you know? Who would have thought? it's rice (laughs) but I guess the cross-contamination you know comes Mm -hmm. into contact enough for it to have that big of an impact it's you've got to you've got to check your rice that's yeah yeah
0: even potatoes yeah so when you think of a potato you think it should be gluten-free right yeah Uh, for some reason and it probably is for most celiacs but not all celiacs. and this is another issue too just like anything, like you, you, we put ourselves under an umbrella and we say, well, this is what we are. No, everybody has a different thing that they're allergic to intolerant to. Um, So my kids cannot have white potatoes. Um, I can use sweet potatoes, but I cannot have a regular potato. And all those years I made mashed potatoes, roasted (laughs) potatoes, and I was poisoning them. Um, Once we started and we went to, or I backtrack it organic potatoes, organic white, but uh, the ones I don't know why maybe it's something they spray in the in the soil. I have no idea. I'm not even going to go venture into that. But um, so a lot of things like corn based, right? So if you're gluten free, you should be able to have corn based pasta. Mm -hmm. um, But not uh, so two out of my three kids can have any pasta, one cannot have the corn based pasta.
1: Wow. So it is very specific, like it's very specific.
0: Yeah, you know, it could be back. It's an autoimmune disease. So being an autoimmune disease, there's so many things like my kids cannot have tomatoes. They cannot have eggplants. Uh, That is something that you say, okay, well, that has nothing to do with gluten, but I don't know what it is, but it's something they cannot digest. So that's been hard to do to change that also in the diet. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So by not having tomatoes or eggplant, (laughs) how are you altering your pasta recipes? You know, a lot of tomato-based sauce.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I can make butternut squash sauces. Uh, I can do uh, sauces with almonds. I can make them with a pesto is my new best friend.
1: (laughs) Oh, Lori, would you like to cook for me? You're making me super hungry. My goodness.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You'll get me on
1: the gluten-free train in no Uh, time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And if I could just say one thing and you could... Place it anywhere you want. Absolutely. Being gluten free is literally grabbing your reading glasses and reading everything, everything, because every product could say it's gluten free. And it's amazing how some will say they contain a certain amount of something that is considered gluten. Uh, So we have to be careful. The United States has a larger, they're allowed to put a certain percentage of gluten. In the product it is technically allowed canada has different codes so that's why some fda approved products are not like allowed to cross the border um the other thing is too my own mistake i made a mistake this weekend father's day weekend i ordered something as a special dessert that the kids could have and myself i made the mistake it said everything but gluten-free but i saw Celia. i saw this free that free i'm going oh yeah no So it's, you know what, and we all make those mistakes. But unfortunately, if you're celiac, you pay for it later.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You said it perfectly. There's nothing I would change about that. That is what the people need to hear. Completely agree. Um, Now, you said that you post a lot on social media, and uh, we would love to hear more about your social media presence. Can you tell us a bit about like the demographic of your audience? You know, who is consuming your content?
0: I found that um, when I started um, right now, I'm up to like 3,800 followers, which is I think it's, you know, know,
1: congratulations,
0: but it's a specific market, you know, and I wasn't doing it for followers. And then you do get caught up. I think we all do. We're like, "Ooh, that's exciting or whatever. Um, I mean, I've had uh, TikTok videos that have hit like 1.5 people have, you know, seen the, the product being done social media is changing so quickly that when I started everybody loved me making the entire recipe and and telling you what to do what doesn't work you know what to be careful with now it's it's quick everything is I found that from the beginning of COVID and and now like the beginning of the lockdown and and today Um, Everybody wants social media even faster than it was before. So those videos of me preparing and telling you that the eggs have to be at room temperature now or just crack the egg, put this in, do that. And it's so fast, you know, uh, just like I guess life is right. Uh, So I think uh, my followers are more, um, I would say mothers, people that have found out their kids are celiac or their husbands or family members Uh, people that want to learn how to do it. Uh, They are the majority, I would say, um, uh, when I've looked at that, I noticed that um, I would say the 30s to 60 year olds, like is a huge amount. But I'm finding now that I'm posting more restaurants and um, establishments that carry gluten free, or that you can purchase gluten free, I'm getting the younger crowds. So that's sort of a reflection on our society, right? Like they don't have that time to make the pasta themselves. They just want to know where can I buy it or where where can I get it already made? And and this is when I go back and I I step back and I say, look at when I ask restaurants, what type of gluten-free pasta they use? I ask for a reason. And, you know, and I've had people like guests of mine saying, but what difference does it make? It all tastes like, you know, when it's served to you. Well, what about if I wanted to bring it home for the next day, depending on the quality of gluten free pasta, there's only so far, I think I found two, maybe three that I could eat the next day, the other ones I can't, right. So this is why um, I like to add that when I do the social media, I'll say to them, listen, you can go to so and so and, you know, this bakery and the buns will be good for three days, because that's what that person is probably looking for. If they're kids, if they're like my kids, they just want to know, can I toast it? Can I freeze it? Can I microwave it, you know? So it's, it's normal. It's, you know, everyone wants, has different requirements. So yes, so social media has made a big difference. I've had a lot of companies reach out to me with us due to social media. And I've also learned a lot too, because this is, you know, I've said it, I became a teacher so I wouldn't stop learning. And I think I'm never going to. I, I need to know more and more. And uh, social media is fantastic for that.
2: Yeah, you're definitely killing the social media game for sure. Um, we love your pages and that's a fact. Um, did you want to expand a little bit on maybe how you think that your blog or your pages help to break the stigma and brings this connection between traditional Italian cuisines and then celiac friendly foods?
0: Thank you. I'm glad you asked that question, because my friends now and all my husband's buddies, (laughs) when they come over, they don't know they're eating gluten free. When I bring a dessert, when I bring bread, olive bread over, like I have an olive rosemary bread that I'll bring over and I, you know, bring that nice cutting board that they can keep because it's now the only gluten free cutting board they have in their house. Um, uh, So when I do that, people are going, this is gluten free, like they're stunned. They're like marveled by it. Um, I've had restaurants that didn't want to incorporate anything. And I said, do you like rice balls? And they go, yeah. I said, that's gluten free. Do you like this? You know, yeah. And it's like, it's so simple to do, but it's that stigma. I think gluten free was that it was tasteless. It's not because it's how you're preparing it that makes that gives it the taste. So a lot of uh, a lot of people that follow me are not gluten free, they just like some of the easy recipes. And I have been trying to keep it easy. I found that the complicated ones that I used to do at the beginning, um, there wasn't as much of a need for it. So I'll go back to that once in a while. But um, the easy things I'll tell them like, you know, You can get chocolate pudding, snack packs are gluten free, and you can layer them, you know, on top of your baked cookie or on top of your cake. And all of a sudden, you got a beautiful dessert, you know, and showing them that not everybody. And, and why wouldn't you want to do it gluten free? Because if there's one person at that table, why should they be ostracized and made them feel different? Just do it all together. The same thing. Nobody will know. You know, so that is something that I do enjoy doing and to bring it out there that there really isn't a difference other than that flower that you use. And that flower makes a big difference. And when they ask me why, and you know, the biggest question, like not so much for myself, but for my kids is, can't they just have a little bit? And I always say, can't you just have a little bit of poison? (laughs) If you have a lot of poison or a little bit of poison, it's still poison, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, and that is the biggest, um, because I know like, you know, and I don't blame people because it's I've had to learn and it's taken me years to learn and I don't expect them to learn in one evening or one sitting with me, Uh, but I always tell them like any questions just call. And any questions, ask that person that you've invited over if they're gluten free, just say, what would you like if I'm making lasagna? What can you have gluten free lasagna? Can you have this or that? You know, it's amazing. They'll feel so much better. You'll put people at ease, and they'll want to come over to your house. uh, Because the biggest problem that you will find with all celiacs is they're scared. They're scared when they go to a new restaurant or to someone's home that they don't understand gluten free and ask my kids because they know that that one little taste or that cross contamination, they'll be paying for it for like the next week. Um, and who wants to get sick? Like nobody, right? So you can imagine an excruciating sickness. So yeah. So yeah, that's one thing. And um, Yeah those are good questions did oh, I answer that question completely I don't even know Oh,
1: more than perfectly like more than we expected it was great you know you've done the work for the people and I think that you know your blog like your Instagram your socials are, are gonna you know take off even more than they already have you know like you've done the work for the people and you've, you put yourself out there and you've tried all these things you know it's not going to go unnoticed and I think the Celiac community is going to thank you for that. Not even just exclusive, the Italian like community, but beyond that. So your work, seriously, like this, all this time that you put into this, clearly you are so passionate about what you do. Yep. And, you know, we too are thankful. You know, we, we've been looking to, to speak to someone about this topic for a very long time, and we're super glad that it was you. Um the only thing that we want to ask now is if you want to tell us what your socials are for those who are viewing and listening, um, so they can find you and follow up with your recipes and, and connect with you over social media. I think that's, that's the way to do it, right? So if you want to let us know what they are,
0: please reach out to me. Anyone watching, I'll de- DM me, I'll answer you. And if I, I've even met people for coffee. Well, as long as it's a gluten free bakery um, and uh, but you can reach me. It's Lori Delamonte and it's at celiacnonna well uh, at IG. Um, but if you want to reach me by email, you can also reach me uh, email celiacnonna at gmail.com. It's simple. Um, but I look forward to any questions, any comments, you know, or even if you found something that really works and you want to promote it, please let me know. I would, would be happy to.
1: Great. And for those who are, who are interested and didn't catch that, it's going to be in the comments for you. So feel free to send Lori a follow. Um, also Lori, I guess one of the most important questions that we have for you is how do you detect celiac? Um, clearly, you know, there is a huge market people don't know some people find out late in their adulthood, but it's best to catch it earlier. So what, what, how do you detect? Please okay. give us some insight. So,
0: yes. So one of the things is your stomach, you know, a lot of people, you know, you're irritable. Um, you know, you think, oh, maybe I'm lactose intolerant, maybe I ate too much, maybe this, maybe that. Um, most people, it's the bloatedness right away, Uh, but that's already at the late stages. So that let's say you eat gluten uh, and you get the um, bloatingness Uh, a lot, even their hands, even their face will start swelling up. Um, Constipation and then diarrhea. I hate to say it, but it's true. It's the two extremes. Your bowels are not working properly because they've been poisoned with this gluten and it can't work too well. One um, thing that happens also is weight loss. All of a sudden, you know, Um, and my daughter, uh, my middle daughter was a perfect example. She lost 32 pounds in one month. I mean, I wish I could do that. But you know, but on a on a on because she was so ill, she was in university. And what are you eating in university, but all starches, you're not eating anything, you know, Um, so though she was eating, she was losing it. So that didn't work. Iron deficiency, a lot of celiacs have anemia. Um, they may not know that they may have diagnosed you with that, but they didn't diagnose you with celiac. Um, Be careful if you have a thyroid issue, it is also an autoimmune disease, and is related with celiac. So a lot of medications, you have to look medication contains gluten Um, rashes. So with my my with my youngest son, The rashes were always on the arms and on the back. And, you know, going through, you know, their teen years, I thought it was maybe, you know, because he was very athletic, the sports or, but he was showering twice a day. So why is he getting these rashes? Rashes, patches of them are also a sign of um, uh, celiac disease. Also, gluten is in shampoo, soap, conditioner, shaving cream.
1: Really, can't that, look. can
0: you? <laughs> yes. So, what was happening is he's washing his hair or using a soap, and you're only aggravating it. So, now there are many that will dispute that, but I have three kids that only buy gluten free products for their exterior because think about it you can absorb it. And my middle daughter was having rashes all over her face while well, she was using a very popular cosmetic company that contains gluten. So facial products also contain gluten. Wow. Sorry, I just that, have to- That
1: just ahead. blew my mind. I had no yes. idea.
0: Yes. Shampoo? So you, you have to ask questions, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Well, there you have it, everyone. That's, that's how you detect celiac. Apparently, gluten is everywhere, so be aware. Um, yeah. yeah. Lori. so you had mentioned that cross-contamination is a big part of being celiac, and you know the littlest amount of cross-contamination can greatly affect someone who has celiac disease. How did you prepare your kitchen and you know how did you avoid cross-contamination
0: that was a big one and i had to learn from other celiacs i have to be honest with you um the doctors did not prepare me for this so I, i learned quickly when my first daughter was diagnosed the other two children were not so i just thought i would be preparing meals just for her and that doesn't work i had one section of my kitchen drawers literally pantry specific for her so that even the pasta where it sat did not sit beside a package of gluten, of gluten pasta the flour and everything but i was making big mistakes first thing all your all your utensils have to now be stainless steel you can't have plastic plastic absorbs gluten so now the toasters you have to have a separate toaster because there's cross-contamination you've now used bread in one and then it gets used with gluten-free bread and it's now contaminated. Um, Your stainless steel frying pans, pots, the strainer. I had to get rid of the plastic strainer because you can't like it'll absorb it. So everything is now stainless steel. Um, Everything is wiped down constantly. I use lemon a lot to disinfect. Um, but I always tell people like, please, please, there's no such thing as, oh, I'll just do it here and then do it there. No flour is in the air. If you're celiac and you walk into a small bakery that is all flour, you cannot be there. You have to leave. You will absorb it one way or the other. You either inhale it or it'll get on you. Um, so I started learning first thing, toaster, everything, stainless steel or glass, no more plastic, uh, plastic. I won't use the brand names, no more plastic containers, unless they're like, you're getting rid of them, which is not good for the environment. So glass everything. Um, You know, I even started putting my brodo in my sauce, I would literally, you know, make it and then put it in those like, you know, the reused uh, uh, juice glass bottles, because they cannot stay in plastic, not if they uh, in, in fear of cross contamination. And do not forget watch your paper plates and watch your paper straws because paper straws have gluten in it. Wow. How do you think they seal the straw? Oh my goodness. So
1: That's yes, something no man. one I've ever considers. Yeah,
0: And that was brought to me. And again, like, see, this is where I say it's a learning curve. It's a learning community. We all learn from each other. I had posted that at Milestones, they're very um. Uh, Celiac friendly. I don't like that word, but they do take care. If you ask them, they will do things separately for you and everything. Well, I ordered my margarita that I really like. And what does it have? A paper straw because we don't, we banned plastic straws in Ontario. And um, well, yeah, but I can't have that because it's paper and the paper is sealed. Believe it or not, there is new plates, like plates that you buy that have made of wheat. It's not China. Wow. It's wheat. So now you could say, well, it's been fired and it's been stoned and everything. You know what? Sorry, I'm sticking to China. Like i I literally you have to look at everything.
1: Wow. so it's it really is a lifestyle change, you know yeah. it, it's not just based on the way you eat. It is everywhere,
0: everywhere, everywhere. And uh, the the highest, the the biggest problem I posted the other day is when you travel, What do you do when you travel and my kids know they just don't leave the house without food you have to like because you don't know what you're going to find when you uh, reach your destination or if there's a a delay look at the airports right now that there's all these delays in flights Uh, my daughter was left at Heathrow her flight got cancelled nine hours without gluten-free food so she lived off of apples because that's all she could find at the time at night in heathrow and that's i'm not you know blaming that airport i'm saying in general um gluten-free food will go faster than regular and yet people don't see the need for it so yeah
1: wow that's incredible i never would have thought but you just blew my mind that's (laughs) straws and plates i know yeah (laughs) that's insane insane well i'm glad that you were able to figure out you know all those things make your life a little bit easier, save your, yourself some pain and some sickness. And now you're living the life. Yeah, well, and I love that, and you're sharing the world. I, <laughs>
0: because, well, I became a nonna, so three grandchildren in the COVID years. So hold yeah, that people, like,
1: can you believe that she's a nonna? She's yeah. stunning, Thank she's you. glowing, we love so, it.
0: We <laughs> have um, two that were born from one daughter and one from the other, oh. and now sadly, they, we are watching them. Like how sad is that, that most people watch to see a child growing up and everything. We're watching for signs that they themselves are not celiac. I mean, they could skip the gene, they could have inherited from their, like, we don't know because obviously uh, my daughter's married, uh, you know, my son in laws are not uh, celiac. So the main concern now is that Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto has seen the highest amount of of celiac children in the last five years. They cannot believe that kids as early as um, 18 months, and now I was corrected uh, at the last meeting I went to, they're coming in at 12 months. So that's why a lot of the baby food is rice-based until they know what's happening. So we test along the way and we see how they react. So the way that children will react is in their disposition. Uh, Obviously, you know, they get more aggravated because they can't absorb the gluten. Um, They will become constipated followed by uh, the runs, right? Which is very common. Uh, Rashes, very common. And eczema, believe it or not, is one of the signs that could show gluten being ingested, and it's coming out in like a rash format, so an eczema. And I say to young mothers, if there is a history of gluten in their family, to please keep looking, and also it changes. My kids are diagnosed at 19, 24, and 25. So it's not like it, I didn't see the signs. I didn't know there were signs to look for. And then my dad is a perfect example at 81. But that was a misdiagnosis. So I would say he probably, it probably was there from before, but it went unnoticed.
2: Wow.
1: Lori, thank you so much. We have no more questions for you. You surpassed everything that we wanted to hear. And you know, we want to greatly thank you for our time on behalf of Delania and I and the rest of the people from the Food Waste Project. It's been an absolute pre- pleasure to talk to you and we cannot wait to see what you do with your social media and, you know, we want to see you on thank TV you. one day. I, I think that's where you're me. headed. We're very excited.
0: <laughs> I was honored. Thank you so much for having me on this blog and you've touched my heart seriously that, um, please, if this can help even one more person, uh, and not suffer silently, because it is the other me- thing that I did forget to mention is depression goes with this, auto- any autoimmune disease, because you suffer in silence, and there's no reason for that. Um, so if it could help even one more person in the world, I'm happy to do so. So thank you again so much girls for having me on. I You're appreciate that.
1: Thank you, Lori. Thanks, Lori.